Thank you for listening to the Fearless LA podcast. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. Come on, praise God. Woo. What an awesome time it is to be alive, huh? Praise God. I don't know if you heard, but Kanye West is a Christian. You hear that? That was that, that song. Who's been listening to CD? Who's a hater? Where are you a hater? Where are you a hater? Back there, we got one hater. <laughs> it's funny. Who want everyone to be saved? We're praying for everyone to be saved. As soon as someone gets saved, we're like, nah. Nah, you're not saved. That shows the grace of my Jesus, the bigness of my God. You can have someone, you know, one moment writing anthems for porn sites and the next moment writing an anthem for the church. Come on, let's, let's praise God about what God is doing. What a good day. You know, I think just knowing that if God could rescue someone like Kanye who says he saved a wretch like me, if he says that about himself, then maybe whatever you say about yourself, God could overwrite today. And that's why we're here today. We're here that, that man, we're just a bunch of broken people that serve a very not broken God, that when he comes into our life, he fills all those gaps and all those places. And in fact, the more broken you are, the more God actually can use your life. There's this story about this man who used to, he had these two pots and one pot was, was amazing and perfect and the other pot had a crack in it. And he would put it on a pole and he would walk down miles to the river to get water for his family and he'd walk up with the pots and the, the poles and one pot, every time it got to the top, it was empty because it had leaked all the way up the hill out because of its cracks. And so after about three weeks of being carried down to the river and being brought back up and to have no purpose, no destiny, no nothing, it got angry at its owner and it said, why do you use me? Why do you keep taking me on the journey? I'm cracked. I'm broken. And the master said, no, I take you on the journey because you're changing the journey. And the master said, next time we go down to the water, look on the left side. That's where you always are. And as the pot looked on the left side, he saw all along the left side, there were flowers blossoming all the way up the mountain. And I just want to tell you today, if you're cracked and you're broken, God is okay with that. And he is okay with where you're at. And he's okay with what you've been through. He's not okay who did it with what they did to you, but he's going to take what, meant, what the devil meant for evil and he's going to turn it around for good. And if he leaves a crack, it's because he's watering the journey on the way up. And I just want to give honor to where honor is due to the cracked pots in this house. You know, I bring up Kanye because he's a cracked pot. He's a cracked pot. You know what I'm saying? He's a cracked pot. But I'm also a cracked pot. And if you feel watered in here, it's because that crack in me is watering your soil. And I can't believe what God is going to do through the people in this room. Come on. Can we give them praise in this house today? Hallelujah. Would you grab your neighbor's hand all across this room? And we're going to pray into this service. I want you just to begin to pray for your ears to be open. Jesus himself spoke to people and they weren't changed. So I know I got the Jesus look, but I'm not Jesus. And so if Jesus' words could leave people still empty, 
because of their ears, then today you could walk away from this place empty instead of filled unless we say, God, open my ears, open my heart, prepare me for this word, help this preacher preach this, help him give me something that I can walk away from, filled up, fired up, and fed up, and ready to take on my week. You ready? Come on, Jesus, we just pray our ears would be open. And our hearts would be open. Our eyes would be open. You'd fill us with your fire and your love and your grace. But Lord, as we maybe sit here feeling unworthy, Lord, you would, you would remind us that we never were. But Lord, you are worthy. And Lord, because you are worthy, you chose us just jars of clay to place your glory and your victory. And God, today we pray you would just, you would empower us. You would multiply our efforts and God, you would give us a paradigm shift to our world. In Jesus' name, we pray. And somebody who believes that, come on, give God a mighty shout. Come on, let's fill this place with shouts of praise. Hallelujah. And today we are, we are continuing in this thought collective, what does it say? Family values. And uh, family is our commitment. It's one of the values that we have. And I just say, God, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna lay out some values that we've seen the original church having. That, you know, in life, doors open, doors close. We get older, we miss opportunities, we live with regrets, or we pretend like we don't have any regrets, but we all have them. But life is chaotic, life is crazy, you, you know, and that's not to, to put a damper on things, but I'm saying that to let you know that if you get some family values, that no matter what life throws at you, you're gonna be okay, right? And so we're going we're gonna to go through these, but we've been, we have 10 of them here at Fearless. We're not going through all 10 today. We're going to focus in on one of them. And the one we're going to focus in on today is servanthood is our position. Come on, say it with me. Servanthood is our position. And, and I'm, I, I know that that's a cool, uh, catchy phrase up there. But my prayer is that we would make this a value in our lives. Like if we could walk away from here today, not play church and not have a nice little service, but we could take this into our being and we could say servanthood is going to be my position on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday. I'm going to I'm going to make it my position to be a servant, not to serve, because if I'm just going to serve, that's what that's what I do for a moment. And if it's what I do for a moment, I clock in, and I clock out. But I'm going to be a person that is a servant. It's not something I do on one day and don't do it on another day. It's not something I feel like or don't feel like. It's who I am. I am a servant, and it is my position, and it is a great position. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. We're going to open up that can of worms in the church uh, because I believe in the American church. Uh, we have a lot of people that like church, but we have very few people that are servants. Very few, we have a lot of people that serve, but we don't have very few people that have taken on the, 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 this, this nature of Christ in being a servant. And I believe we have some of those people here that would love to take on that nature, saying, God, I want to take on your very nature. I want to be a servant to the people around me, to, to, for your kingdom. I, I want to I serve with everything I have, but I don't want to just serve when I feel like it. I want to even get crazy and serve when I don't. Do we have any people like that in here today? And, uh, and, and this is why also we, we do not call uh, being a part of what we're doing here volunteering. Because in the kingdom, there are no volunteers. 
<laughs> you got the job. You know what a volunteer is like seasonal? It's temporary. It's like put on this orange vest and you don't know much, but you think you got a lot of authority. Right? You ever been to an event and there were volunteers and they got, they got signed up that day and they're taking it all in. They're they, they running things. They, they're angry. They're, they, they don't even know what's going on. We're not volunteering in the kingdom. We are servants in the kingdom. You're hired. You've got the greatest position in the kingdom, and is that is the position of servant. Come on. Do we have any servants in the room? The greatest among you will be a servant. Come on. The least among you will not be a servant. So who wants to be great in this house? Come on, I want to be great in the kingdom of God, so I'm going to be a servant of the Most High God. And, and we're going to go through a few things, but I want to read you in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Come on, you ready for the word? Now, I think this is funny. I'm, I'm gonna, so this thing's going to go on Instagram, and we're going to at least get 15 comments of take that hat off. And uh, someone's going to get mad because I'm wearing a hat. And then someone's also going to get mad on our Instagram because they'll put a clip up, and they don't add the scripture in the clip. And they think that maybe I don't preach scripture. So just so you see, here's an awesome scripture. And the, and the, 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 the scripture that was talking about taking your hats off in church, that was talking to the Jewish people that wore those yarmulkes on their head. And for, because they were scared of, of the, you know, they didn't want to be connected to God in a different way when they were outside. And they would connect to God inside. No, we are connected to God at all times. When I wear a hat, when I don't wear a hat, I'm in love with you. If you wear shorts to church, that's okay. Sorry, I'm on my soapbox. God accepts you how you are, not only in a three-piece suit. Okay, good. We're getting religion out of the, wall, out of the, out of the water. Okay, amen. He, he even loved you in a Kanye hat. Come on. <laughs> amen. Matthew chapter 16, verse 17 uh, says this. Jesus came back and said, God bless you. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, God bless you. Touch the other neighbor and say, God bless you too. God bless you, Simon. You know, Simon is his, his future name or his, his name that we know him as is, is Peter. And so God bless you, Simon. He was rolling with Jesus. He was, he was one of the disciples. They're sitting out. They're, they're hanging out a morning a lot like this. Jesus is, they're away from the crowds. The crowds have gone, the ones that are there for Jesus' hands. What he can give them, his handouts, his feed me right now. These are the disciples. The disciples are sitting around on Sunday morning, and they're hearing a message from Jesus. And as Jesus is teaching, he turns to Simon. And he says this to Simon. How, how amazing would this be if Jesus turned and, and began to talk to just you? You know, many times we go to a church and we're like, man, if the pastor could say something to me, if, if he had a word for me. Here's Jesus, okay? The king of the universe turns to Peter, this rugged fisherman, and he says this, Simon, son of Jonah, you did not get that answer out of the books or from the teachers. Now, what had happened in this moment is Simon had just raised his hand and answered a question. Jesus said to Simon, who do people say that I am? And Simon began to tell him what people around the town had been saying about him. Some say you're like Elijah. Some say you're like this. And then, and then Simon said, and then Jesus said to Simon, who do you say I am? And Simon ended up, ended up saying, you are Jesus the Christ. Now, now, just so you know, the word Christ is not God's last name like it's like god jehovah christ so when jesus came he just got jesus christ what's his middle name i don't know it's not his last name it's his title and so is the word christ literally means the anointed one now we're getting deep here but the word anointing is not a pentecostal word it's a it's a kingdom word 
It's a God word. It, it, it means power that breaks. It's, 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 it's dynamite power. In other words, what Simon said in that moment is you're not like all the prophets that had power. You are power. You are all power. You say, why does that matter? Because what he was saying is you're not like Elijah who called down fire. You were the fire that Elijah called down. You're not like David who killed the giant. You were the stone that slain the giant. You're, you're not. So he was saying, Jesus, you were there when Moses split the sea. I believe when Peter said that, hell's alarms begin to go off. Oh, someone knows who he is. See, if you start knowing who God is, everything changes. And Jesus said, Peter, now that you know who I am, I need to let you know that, that answer you got. You didn't get that from books or from some teacher or from some podcast or for some YouTube video. You got that in the presence of God. There are some things that you will get in the presence of God that you can get nowhere else. When God begins to speak to you, when God begins to give you revelation, it may happen in a sermon. It may happen in a podcast, but it wasn't from the podcast. It wasn't from some people will come to me and say, oh, pastor, thank you. You saved me. And I'm like, oh, no, please, please don't say that. I didn't save you. Jesus saved you. He simply grabbed a hold of one of the words I said and partnered with that word. He, the word was a vehicle, but he was the vehicle. Amen? Okay. So, so he says, look, you didn't get that from teachers, but my Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on the secret of who I really am. And then he says this, the greatest thing ever is to know who you are. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. Not who they said you are, not who you thought you are. I'm going to tell you who you really are. You are Peter. I'm sure in that moment he's like, oh, I knew that. But the word Peter, Petros meant rock. So he said, Peter, your name is not an accident. You're rock. And for most of your life, you've been a stumbling block. But now I'm going to make you a rock in the church. I'm going to make you a rock in this community. I'm going to make you a rock, a stone in what I'm building. You've been a tripping stone most of your life, but now I'm going to place you into a building. See, uh, you need to know today, you were called out alone, but even though God met you alone, he placed you into a family, into a, see, God is building something with our lives, not just my life. And so he tells Peter, you, you are a rock. And, and with this rock, and I believe he pointed to himself and pointed to Peter. With these rocks, I will put together my church. Come on, somebody say, my church. That's Jesus' church. And he said, look, when I tell you this, now, just so you know, underline that, highlight it, circle it. That word had never been slipped into the atmosphere. The word church. They had heard temple. They had heard priest. They had heard prophet. They had never heard the word church. Jesus said, we're going to do something different, Peter. You're going to be a part of it. We're going to do something called church. He's like, what's that? Church. How you say it? Church. How you say it? Church. We're going to do something called church. And he, he said, let me tell you the definition of what this is going to look like. Let me tell you the attitude of this thing. It's going to be a church so expansive. With what is that word? It's going to be expansive with what? Energy. Come on, say it like the word sounds. Come on. It's going to be expansive with what? Energy. And it's going to be so much energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. The devil himself 
and all his legions will not be able to stop not just Jesus, but the energy inside the church. Well, how many of you guys feel that that might be not, we may not be sitting even in, right now in this amazing church in the church that Jesus Christ is talking about? Because the church of now seems like the church that is dead. Seems like the church that is the silence of the Lamb. Seems like the church with no energy. And, and if we would say, man, it's the church of backbiting and the church of fear and the church of religion and the church of judgment. But we came to flip this thing on its head, folks. And we letting you know today the church of Jesus Christ is a church of passion. It's a church of life. It's a church of a dead church is not Jesus's church. A dead church, a religious church, a cold church is not. Jesus's church the church of Jesus Christ is alive it's well it's passionate it's fired up and you're still looking at me you know I'm talking about you right not me you know God doesn't see stages he doesn't hear microphones Come on, he's wondering if he has his church in the room today. Come on, the church of Jesus is passionate. It's alive. It's Come on, I'm saying to tell you, stand up. Come on, I'm saying to tell you, cheer a little bit. I'm saying to tell you, shake off some of those dead chains. The church of Jesus is a church full of energy. It's full of life. That not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. You know, people say to me all the time, why would you do a church in Hollywood? Why would you do a church in downtown? Why not go to Texas? Sometimes I say, yeah, why did I go to Texas? Could I had a house and land and some cows, some chickens, Chick-fil-A. Not on Sundays, though. <laughs> it's kind of mean, really, I think, you know. But you know the light works best in the dark. So Jesus said, we're not going to put a church in the good side of town. We're going to go to where the devil thinks he owns. We're going to be the bad neighbor. We're going to be the neighbor that turns it up and then turns it up some more. We're going to be the neighbor that's partying all times. We, we want every person that gets saved. We want to cheer them on because not just to cheer them on, but just to let the devil you lost again just to let the devil know no not today satan not today today you're not getting my mind today you're not getting my faith today you're not getting my health today you're not getting my praise today you're not getting my honor and, and the word energy is not a junior high word for all those that are kind of like oh that guy's weird that guy's immature standing up and clapping at 40 years old this guy what is that pastor on you know, just to let you know, energy is not a junior high word. It's actually a scientific word. It's in books with real smart people. And it actually means simply this. You ready? The ability to do work. The church of Jesus won't be a lot of talk alone. It will be a lot of walk. 
that the church of Jesus will be explosive with the ability to work when they shouldn't be able to work. The church of Jesus will be so recklessly abandoned for their call in Christ Jesus that the gates of hell will not be able to stop them. That means the gates of your workplace can't stop you. That means the gates of the fashion industry can't stop you. That means the gates of countries that say, no, Jesus here can't stop you. That means those people that say, I'll never serve Jesus can't stop you because you have the ability to do work. You have grace. Come on, somebody say grace. Grace is unmerited favor. You got favor. You are favored in heaven. You have favor on your life. Why? Because you are a part of the church of Jesus Christ. You are the house of the living God. You have unmerited favor. Grace is different than mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Mercy is I thought, I did, I said, and so I deserve the cross, I deserve death, I deserve punishment, but God in his rich mercy saved me, redeemed me, restored me, took my sin, took my pain, took my shame. But grace is different. Grace is not past focus, it's future focus. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve, but grace See, God never leaves you. God doesn't just not give you what you deserve and leave you with nothing. He goes, no, we're not going to give you what you deserve, but we're giving you what you don't deserve. Grace is the ability to do work when you don't deserve to do work. Grace is this. Not that I preach, but that I shouldn't be able to. Not that Kanye saved but that he shouldn't be saved from what he did. Not just that he got saved, but that he's preaching the gospel now. He does not deserve to preach the gospel. His voice is not holy enough to preach the gospel. In fact, he's still figuring it out. But thank God for his grace. Thank God for his rich grace that paves a way where there is no way. Come on, say neighbor, servanthood is our position see energy is not just the, the ability to do work it, energy by definition cannot be created and it cannot be destroyed by definition we cannot make energy you think oh man how'd they make that no they didn't make it they captured energy the wind they captured energy comes water they captured it energy where how did you get the water no no someone else made the water See, see, energy comes from somewhere else. This energy we're talking about cannot be man-made. So when you look at someone and say, oh, you're just hyping Jesus. No, no. The hype, there is no such thing as hyping Jesus. You cannot hype Jesus. Number one, the definition of hype is to take something higher than it is. You tell me if I can take with my shout or with my dance or with my rowdy sermon, Jesus higher than he already is. He needs no hype man. He needs no introduction. He needs no person to say, get your hands up. He is holy. Whether we lift our hands or not, the rocks will cry out. Your shout and your praise do not take God higher than he is. Energy that God gives us comes from somewhere else. This passion, I did not stir up. I did not get in the back room and put on some rocky music and say, come on, I really got to work this up today. I really got to get excited about this today. No, that's the Holy Spirit inside of me. Jeremiah said it like this. When your word gets in me, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. 
That sounds cool until you realize he was talking about almost being sick. Like when you're sick and you got to throw up, he said, your word is so powerful. It's like when I'm sick and I got to throw up. Have you ever tried to hold in your throw up? You can't. That's what Jeremiah was saying. He was saying, your word, when it gets in me, it's got to come out. When it gets in me, something's got to shift. When it, when it gets in me, I, I can't help but talk about it. When it gets in me, it's like I kind of hold it back and more comes out. You say, Pastor, this is gross. I'm sorry. I'm just telling you the Bible. <laughs> energy cannot be stopped. It cannot be created. You say, well, then, then how are you saying I have energy if I'm quiet? Energy can only be stored or released. So if you haven't released it, you've been storing it. I wonder what kind of what kind of atomic bombs we got ready to go off in this house. You've been storing energy for years. You've been storing the Holy Spirit for years. You've been holding back for years. You've been all shut up by religion and what people think and fear has come. I just have, have news for fear today. He might have shut you up yesterday, but it's only increasing what's coming tomorrow. So you can go ahead and shut me up today. You can go ahead and stop my voice today. But I am a ticking time bomb, baby. You can't stop this passion. And when it's released, it comes out. And in fire, comes out in heat, light, movement, and sound. Heat, light, movement, and sound. Come on, the church needs to be hot again. The church needs to be a light again. Come on, the church needs to be a movement again. The church needs to be loud again. We need the church of Jesus Christ to say, servanthood is my position. I will serve this world. I have the ability to do work. I got grace on my side. I got a few points for all those people that need a teacher. You ready for this? Come on. I just, that was the preacher. Now we got the teacher. Here we go. Point number one about, about servanthood and serving. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. They say people that take notes get a way more incredible spouse. So I'm just encouraging you. Everyone's like, child, God, get that note up. I've seen all those phones come on. Number one. When you serve God, serve God with your house and all that's in it. Come on, when you serve God, serve him with your house and all that's in it. In other words, when you say, I'm going to serve God with this energy. I'm going to serve God with, with the ability to do work. Don't just serve him alone and hope that everything works out with your house. Now, what's your house? Some of you are like, I don't got a house. Your house is what you have authority over. Serve God with everything in your life that you have authority over. Come on, if you're a husband in this place, the Bible says that you have authority over your wife. Now, what husbands have used that for is to control their wife. But what you are called to do is to prophesy over your wife, to prophesy over your home. Come on, we need some mighty men to raise up again. Some men that say, I'm going to have authority over my house. And they're going to say things like, Joshua, as for me and my house. Come on, I'm also talking to some single moms in this room. If you don't have a husband, you are the authority in your house and you look at that house you look at those kids and you start prophesying over that house as for me and my house we will serve the lord i don't care if you ain't serving the lord right now you will serve the lord you look at everything in your life your family your kids your car your 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 body your time your energy your money your finance everything that that you say i have authority i have authority over my finances 
If someone comes in and tries to take authority over my finances, I say, uh-uh, that's my finances. But if I have authority over my finances, I'm going to serve him with my finances. I have authority over my time. I don't have enough time. Well, whose fault is that? You have authority over that time. Don't let anybody rob your time or steal your time. Protect your time and have, take authority over that time and say, in the name of Jesus, my time will be the Lord's. Come on, you have authority over your attitude. You have authority over your passions. You, you have authority over your life. You take authority over that house. You take authority over that food. You take a, Look, how do I take authority over my food? I share my food. I share my house. I share, you know, I have a car. I don't have a car just to get places. I have a car to bring people places. I am a servant. Everything in my house is given to me to serve the Lord. The dangerous person starts going, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said this in Joshua 24, 15. Look at this. Look at this. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, or, or, uh, then choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me, come on, read the, read the red, red with me. Come on, ready? One, two, three. But as for me, we will serve the Lord. You know, what's funny is Joshua didn't even ask his household. Hey, you guys want to serve? Hey, you guys want to get involved? Hey, you guys want to be a part of this? He just said, I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. I'm a person of purpose. I'm a person of destiny. Uh, as for me and my house, we will. I, I dare some people to even start saying it over their roommates. As for me and my house, we will. You say, my roommate's not even saved. He's an atheist. So be it. Start prophesying the word of God over your roommates. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You watch that broke down, jacked up car change. You watch that broke down, jacked up house change. Because if you're going to use your house to serve the Lord, you're going to need a king's house. You're going to need a king's car. Maybe that's why your car's so broken down. Maybe that's why your finances are so broken down. Because you thought it was just for you. When you open it up and you say, my family is the Lord. My house is the Lord. My life is the Lord. And this leads me to my next point. Point number two, we may only get through two points today. <sighs> trying to teach and you guys got me preaching. It's that guy in the back that keeps standing up. I don't know. Praise God for you. <laughs> number two, serve the Lord with joy and passion. The right spirit to serve the Lord in is the one that says serving is not a threat, but a thrill. When Joshua reads that, I don't picture Joshua like, oh, God, you're twisting my arm. I guess I'll be a good Christian today, and I'll get up before this army of crazy people all worshiping their idols, and I'll just tell them, I mean, don't kill me. I'm, I, I'll, I'll tell them soon. I'll serve, I'll serve when I get time. No, Joshua, in an epic fashion, probably with his shirt off, ripped out, with tattoos everywhere, took out his sword, and he's drawing a line in the sand. Come on, that was for the religious people. Draw this line in the sand, and he looked at that rough army, and he says, do whatever the heck you want. If you want to serve those idols you go serve those idols but as for me and my house we will serve the lord that doesn't sound boring that doesn't sound like a threat from god that sounds like a thrill it should be a thrill to serve the lord when we serve the lord we're not like okay god i'm gonna do it i really don't want to we go god thank you so much 
man, I'm so passionate about serving you today. I dream of days when people would Sunday hits and they're like, man, I don't, I'm not volunteering today. I'm serving the house of God today. They're showing up earlier than they do for work. And they're on the edge of their seat, just praying, just getting ready, just saying, God, I can't wait. This is my favorite day. You know what my favorite day of the week is? Sunday. Because I get to serve the most people on Sunday. But you know what my second favorite day of the week is? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Every day you get to wake up and say, God, today is a good day to serve you. Today is a good day to find passion for your house. Today is a good day to serve your kingdom. Today is a good day for a miracle. Today is a good day for breakthrough. Today is a good day to be alive. Come on, let's get some passion for God. Let's get a Joshua spirit on us. Let's get a leader spirit on us. Come on, a leader spirit goes, God, I am so happy to give to your house. $150,000, that's nothing. We are raising $150,000. You know, I told my friend that he laughed. You know how much money he's raising? $13 million. He said, what are you going to get for $150,000? I said, I don't know. We just budgeted out. That's how it's working out. He said, I hate you. We're giving you opportunity. We're giving you opportunity to serve the Lord with joy. We're giving you opportunity to say, God, I'm a servant. I don't serve. I'm a servant. It's not what I do sometimes when I feel like it is who I am. God, use my life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord with passion and excitement. God, you are not threatening me to serve you. You are giving me the thrill of a lifetime. You are giving me the adventure of all adventures. Come on. They said if, you, if you're bored, go to church. If you're scared, go to church. And I told them if you're scared, stay away from church. Because church is for the real people. Church is for the people that say, man, my life is no longer my own. I died to myself a long time ago. And I'm ready for my life to be somebody else's Psalms 102 says this just in case you need a verse worship the Lord what does it say with what come on what does gladness look like you're like that guy's just glad what does that look like tired of sad worshipers Just travailing. No, I'm God. You know what God looks like right now? God is not sad. So why do his children look so sad? Come on, serve and worship the Lord when you give, when you sow time, when you serve, when you buy something for somebody else, when you, when you open up your house, when you open up your life, when you say, you know what, this year I'm believing God's going to put a dinner party in my house. Don't do it like, well, maybe. I mean, God, will you bless me if I do? No, God, I'm so excited. Thank you for giving me a house I can host a dinner party in. And the guy comes up and says, come on, let's, do we have any joyful, cheerful givers in the house? And three people go, woo! And you clench your butt real tight. Uh, hurry, get through this. Here comes the bucket. Don't give like that. That money is cursed. Because you don't have it, it has you. Right? When you give, 
Every time someone puts something in the offering or every time someone comes and serves on a Sunday or becomes a part of the dream team or or comes on a Tuesday or or steps out of their way and helps someone else or loves someone else in the name of Christ, you ought to shout a little bit. You ought to let something out. Like, praise God. I I believe it will come a day when when you put your money down on the altar, not in the offering, on the altar, not when we come up and ask you to give, but when you say, God, I can't wait to give this. It's burning a hole in my pocket. When you drop it in the bucket, you're like, hallelujah. Hey. Like, what just happened? Did you get a check in the mail? No, I gave a check in the mail. Yeah. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with singing and joy. My daughter's just like this. She, she sings everywhere. My son's like, stop singing. He hates her singing. He just like, we'll try to punch her. I'm like, brave. She's just singing a worship song. She's in the mode. Just let her go. I believe God wants us to be like that. I believe God wants us to come before him with singing. Thank you, God, for who you are. Praise you, God. Come on. What, what would happen if the church started being the church again? What would happen if the church started singing before the worship started? What would happen if your life became a song? What would happen in L.A. if all of a sudden you worship him with gladness on Monday at the cash register? You say, what are you singing? Is that, is that the new Drake? No, it's the new Kanye. Kanye has entered this sermon several times. I'm just, hey Amen. Praise God. Worship the Lord with gladness. Look, it is not a threat to serve the Lord. It is a thrill. Romans 12, 10. Look at this. Romans 12, 10, 11. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be. Stop being lazy. You got to serve notice on laziness. You know why we don't lift our hands? Why we don't serve the Lord? Because we're lazy. We're tired. We've been serving everything else. We're serving everything else, and we don't have any more room for God. Now, let's start with God. Let's give him the best. Let's give him our first. If we're going to be awake for anything, let's be awake for this. Come on. If, come on. I, I'm, I'm looking for some people to get woke in this place in Christianity. I'm looking for some people to say, wake up, oh sleeper, and arise from your ashes. It's, we're done being lazy. And it says, but work hard and serve the Lord. What does that say? Enthusiastically. You ever look at someone, man, they're really enthusiastical. They don't look like, if you're going to serve the Lord, let's serve him enthusiastically. Why? Because what an honor it is to serve our king. Come on. And I'll end with this one. Number three. Serving God is an opportunity. God loving you, not God needing you. Serving God, you could take that down because I, I kind of twisted it a little bit. Serving God is an opportunity. Somebody say, serving God is an opportunity. God loving you, not God needing you. We got to catch in our hearts, folks, that God does not need me. <laughs> say, why does that matter? Because if God needs you, you are God. The world revolves around me. The kingdom revolves around me. Say, why does that matter? This is why Christians are bored. Because God needs me. God needs my money. God needs my time. This is why I don't want to be a Christian, because God needs all my stuff. (laughs) Well, then he's not God. 
if he needs your stuff. God doesn't need your $20. God doesn't need your $5,000. God doesn't need your $100,000. God doesn't need your two hours once a week. God doesn't need your 30 minutes. God doesn't need your gift. God doesn't need your talent. God doesn't need us. He was before we got here. He was doing okay. When I die, the world will still go on. God will still be active. When I wasn't here, he was slaying giants. When I wasn't here, he was stopping fires. When I wasn't here, he was shutting the mouths of lions. God does not need me. I do not serve God because God needs me. Doesn't need my talent. Doesn't need my effort. Doesn't need my energy. Nothing I do turns or ignites the hand of God. The hand of God is active. The hand of God is moving. I'm not helping God out. God is helping me out. Serving is an opportunity. It's God loving us, not God needing us. Let me read you something, then I'll finish with this story about my daughter. Acts chapter 17, verse 25. Look what this said. And he, who's he? Big G-O-D, that's who's he. And he is not served by in case you're confused, in case you thought, well, where are you getting that, Pastor? What kind of theology is that? I didn't get that from Dr. Phil. I got it from Dr. Jesus. And he is not served by, come on, look at your human hands. God's not served by these. He doesn't need your hands. I love this. As if. He needed anything. Yeah, that person that you want to buy them something for Christmas, you're like, they don't need anything. I don't know what to get them. They have everything. Let's talk about God. He has no needs. He's not needy. He's not starving for attention. The stars are praising him. The angels, they haven't even switched the part of the song. They're just singing holy, holy, holy. Jesus said, one day I'm going to come back with all my angels, in all my glory. He said, in that day, people will ask rocks to fall on them. They will cry out to the mountains, please fall on us. Because his glory will be so weighty, so heavy. Isaiah gets to heaven, he sees the angels singing. They're singing so loud and so passionate, the doors are shaking, and all they can sing is the verse, of the, the bridge of the song. How do I know it's the bridge? Because the bridge is always the best part of the song. They're on the bridge, they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Smoke is filling the temple. The train of his robe fills the whole temple. They say the longer a train of a robe of a, of a, of a woman that's getting married, the more glory is in her life, the more, the more legacy she has. In, in, in other countries, they'll have a, a train that goes all the way out the door. And they'll have like 10 people carrying it. Isaiah gets to heaven. He said, the train of his robe. There was fabric everywhere. That's how glorious God is. Fast forward to the book of Revelations. John gets to heaven and he sees the same picture. The same angels, thousands of years later, are still singing the same part of the song. The heavens are shaking. And then he adds to the story. He says there's 24 elders sitting around the throne. They keep pulling down, laying down their crowns, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he said there is 10,000 upon 10,000 angels surrounding the throne. 
That means around the throne alone, stick with me, there are a hundred million angels. <laughs> Just like in the little circle, there are a hundred million angels. How many angels are in heaven? I don't know. I mean, mind blowing. He said, one day I'm coming back with all my angels in all my glory. I'm nervous about that day. I ain't gonna fit. So are the lights. I said, look, as if God needs anything. God, I'm here to serve you because I know you need me. I've had people before tell me, man, I hope you're going to do well without me. I'm taking my business somewhere else. I was a big giver here. I was a big server here. You really need the sound of my music. Now, God doesn't need you. You need God. He said he himself, by himself, gives everyone life and breath and everything else. <laughs> He's like, he gives you life and breath and, and, yeah, everything else. He doesn't need us. So why does God call us to be servants to a king that doesn't need servants? Well, because God is creating opportunity for you to be loved, not you to be used. He's not like people. People create opportunity for you to be used. God creates opportunity for you to be loved. Totally different. My daughter, when she was about three years old, we lived in Fullerton. And we, we were coming up to L.A. all the time, downtown L.A. And, and so I would get on the train. We only had one car, so I'd get on the train and ride to L.A. And so every day I would do this. But just I guess one day she got old enough and she just, it just hit her that daddy was going to be gone all day. I got on the train just like usual, and she, she said bye. She's patty caking in the back in her little seat, my little daughter. She's now seven years old. She was about three or four then. And I got on the train. She was happy. And about five minutes in the train ride, I'm doing my work and stuff. My wife meanly <laughs> sends me this video of my daughter. I was irritated all day. People were like, what's wrong with you, Pastor? Don't worry about it. Got to get home. The Fullerton. All the way. I kind of wait for the train. Couldn't wait to get home and just kiss her and say, honey, it's okay. Just because dad left for a moment doesn't mean he doesn't love you. And, and so I'm sitting there, and, you know, when you're in that moment as a dad, you will promise the moon. I have promised everything to my kids. I mean, they, they work me, especially my daughters. Be careful if you have daughters, you're in trouble. And so I tell her, I said, honey, you know what? Whatever you want. She said, daddy, I want to go to work with you. I said, ah, okay. Grudgingly worried because I know she's not going to add to my work hours. So I kind of forgot. I told her, yeah, you can go to work with me. You can ride the train. It'll be awesome. The next morning we wake up and Lyric is at the door like this. She somehow found her Rapunzel outfit. And for some reason in her head, the train was an epic adventure. And she brought her suitcase. I don't still know what was in that suitcase. Uh, probably a few dolls and different things. And so there we were. And we got on that train that morning. I was the only guy with this little daughter. And she was Rapunzel. Everyone was loving, saying hi to Lyric. And and you know, that day, Lyric didn't come with me to work because I needed her. Like, I'm like, hey, Lyric, I really need you to run some meetings today. Can you balance the fearless budget? Can you help me plan the new building? Can you, can you counsel Robert? He's really just needing to find a wife. Praise God. Is this, can you just help him out? And, and uh, you know, there was no serious 
thing I needed lyric for. In fact, there was no thought in my mind that ever once I needed her to be with me to help me do what I do. I had enough power inside of myself to do it without her. But why I brought her was not because I needed her, but because I was creating an opportunity to love her. She sat in every meeting with us. You know, every once in a while we'd go over to Lyric. Hey, Lyric, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, you know, we should do this. Some of us would be like, okay, cool idea. We may or may not do it, but let's go. Let's just see. Look, God doesn't need you to serve him. Not not because you're not worth anything, but that's not your position in his life. You have a greater position. You know, my favorite person in the room that day was, I mean, I have a lot of friends. I like Jordan. I like David. I like Michaela. They do a lot of amazing things in this church and they feel like kids to me. But my blood kid was in the room. And so she had my attention. She had my affection. She had my love, not because of what she did for me, but because she was simply with me. See, my my goal at her being and doing was not in her doing and being. It was in her being next to me. It was in her. Servanthood is our position. You know why? Because dad's about to board the train. And he's like, you can stay home. Play with your dolls. Or you can bring your dolls and come get on the train with me. And yeah, we're going to sit in some things. We're going to do some things. But the ultimate goal is not what we're doing. It's doing it together. You see, God, is he, he wants you in his life. He wants you to be a part of the story he's creating. I love that this amazing God that could do it all himself creates room for me. He's like, hey, do you want to give to this? Oh, God, are you just trying to get my money? God's like, no, no, I got enough money. Silly. So silly. <laughs> you know, they didn't, they didn't read, I got a thousand, the cattle on a thousand hills. <laughs> they didn't read, the streets are bathed with gold. No, it's just giving you opportunity if you want to be a part of it. I'm going to protect God, my time from God. God, don't try, the church is always trying to take my time. God's always trying to take my time. I don't have enough time for all this. I'll serve God when I got time. Oh, God, God doesn't want your time. He stands outside of time and space. He doesn't need time. He's not like, oh, great, praise God. Melvin gave me five minutes. I've been really broke lately. No, God doesn't need our time. He goes, no, I stand outside of time and space. I can redeem the time. I can, I can restore the time. I can turn the sun back, whatever you want to do. What I want you to do is to give me your time so you can show you trust me and you long to be with me more than anything else. Come on, come on. God's looking for a group of people. A group of people that say yes to him and maybe no to everything else. Come on, a group of people that say, God, with my life, I'm going to serve you. God, servanthood is my position. It's my great privilege. It's my great honor. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad. It's such a thrill to get on the train with you. It's such a thrill to be in this meeting with you. It's greater than anything I could have done today. Thank you for listening. If you have something you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or to find more information about Fearless LA.